Welcome back to the Color Reimagine Podcast, presented to you by People of Color Clothing. And of course, I'm your host, Darius Northern. And today, we have a very, very special topic. Today, we are talking about the hijab. And I felt it apropos to talk about the hijab, because within the People of Color Clothing collection, soon to be released, is the hijab shirt. Um, and the hijab shirt aims to kind of redirect some of the misconceptions associated with women who wear hijabs. And I felt it was apropos to take it a step further by inviting two special guests onto the show who are now going to introduce themselves and share their experiences and educate our listeners on the meaning and purpose behind wearing their hijab. So without further ado, I introduce to you. Hi, y'all. My name is Khawatar. You can also call me Khawatar. Um, I'm a domestic student from Yemen. Born and raised here, though. So, Hi, everyone. My name's um, Wiam or Wiam. Um, I'm a student at OSU, I'm a graduate student, and I'm an international student from Egypt. That's dope. I did not know you were an international student. Learn something new every day. <laughs> but to kick this uh, episode off, I'm going to ask you guys, when did you start wearing your headscarf or hijab, and what does it mean to you? Okay, I can go first. Go first. Um, I wore it when I was <clears throat> 14, um, so I was still, I was just about to start high school, I think. All I remember is I did a lot of research before I actually wore it. So I started reading about it online. I started asking my mom, started asking my grandmother about it. Like, what does it mean? Who can I wear it in front of? Just like basic questions like that. Um, and then one night I sort of, I learned everything that I needed to learn about it, or at the time at least. Um, and then it just sort of felt right for me. And I woke up the next day and I told my mom, like, I'm wearing it today. And it's funny because she didn't believe me until I actually put it on and went to my friend's house. Um, but they were all very, very happy. And my mom and my dad, they had nothing to do with the whole process of researching it and the whole decision. They, my mom, in fact, when I first talked to her about wanting to wear it, she actually told me no. She told me that, are you sure? Um, you're maybe a little bit too young like this is not uh you know it's not a it's not a game like it's a real decision yeah, and yeah. it's a commitment so you need to be you know responsible for the consequences and you need to be able to commit so up until the day that I wore it she was almost positive that I wouldn't put it on so um yeah it was an interesting experience for me and I'm very very grateful that that is how it turned out for me and it was entirely 110 percent my your, decision your decision and yes. i think that's important to establish as mm -hmm, well it mm -hmm. was your decision mm -hmm. what about you i started wearing the hijab in seventh grade um basically beforehand i've only like i used to wear it in elementary school like you know for picture day maybe in third grade or like just for funsies just to see how it feels my family's religious and so i've seen my mom wearing it all my life we're the only like muslim family like around um, where I grew up, I grew up in Kaiser, just an hour north of, of Corvallis. Seeing that, I've always been like, you know, it's, it's something that I keep close to me, and it's something that I was like, oh, you know, this is like a part of my faith, and this is like a demonstration of my faith, but it's also something that, like, the concept of hijab, like, your body is for you, it belongs to you, and only you, and nobody else has the rights to see it, uh, except with your consent, and that's something that I'm like, like, self-respect can be shown in so many different ways. And for me, it's shown through my faith and through wearing the hijab, <laughs> especially as uh, since it's more of a concept, really, and I'm going to also talk about that more, mm -hmm. because the hijab as a concept is, um, it's covering everything except for your face and your hands yeah. for women. 
For men, it's covering everything between the belly button and the kneecaps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's different for everyone, but it's still the same thing of like modesty and um, you, you're just like you're taking care of yourself. You know what I mean? And you you made this decision in the seventh grade. Well, so basically, I was like, okay, I so middle school for those of uh, those listening who aren't from the U.S., middle school works uh, with like it's three years. And so after I finished elementary school, I had one year where I was like, okay, I want everyone to get to know me for me, in air quotes, yeah. for me, before they judge me based on how I look based on my faith, right? And then I was like, okay, seventh grade, I'll start wearing it full time. It's going to be awesome. And so I remember the first day of like the seventh grade, like orientation of sorts, when I walked in with my dad and I remember wearing this like purple and pink polka dotted hijab. <laughs> it was one of those one pieces that looks horrid. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Uh, but I was like so proud wearing it. My dad was so proud next to me and it was just like, I'm ready, you know. Otherwise, like I'd wear it every once in a while, just kind of like to test it out. And I still remember like snarky comments and all that in elementary school in the playground. People be like, what's she wearing on her head? And I'm like, <laughs> whatever, it's fine. <laughs> in that accent, yeah. Basically, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of the thing. And then since then, I've just, you know, I've, it's, only, it's only gotten more and more important to me. And definitely I did the same thing that you were talking about um, with learning a ton about it and just experimenting and having fun with like, oh, there's so many different styles and you can do this, you can do this. Dina Tokyo tutorials. Oh my (laughs) God, (laughs) those were my life. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's kind of, yeah, it was a whole thing, but that's basically it. Yeah, and like navigating through the American school system, middle school, high school, and now university. Have you experienced different types of like discrimination or derogatory comments from, from people? Good question. You should answer that first. Totally. Absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, I've gotten called a terrorist. I've had questions where, like, people question my friends, and they're like, why are mm-hmm. you hanging out with a terrorist? My friends are like, what the hell? No. Um, also, wait, can we cuss or can we not cuss? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Let me try and keep it PG. Um, but... Yeah, you know, just comments like that. And I remember one time, like, I stood up. There was this guy who was, like, he made a joke about, like, you know, you're a terrorist or whatever, right? And I was like, do I really look like a terrorist? You know, and he was like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, oh, yikes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Damn. All right, Austin, if you're listening. (laughs) But, um... Besides that, you know, and besides people being like, what's that? Are you bald? Do you shower that on? You know, the usual questions. Mm -hmm. You know, we all get those questions. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of... And then, you know, just people being weird about it. People not expecting me to have a personality. People expecting me to be quiet and shy. Mm-hmm. It's like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you are not. That I am not. <laughs> <laughs> no, Complete wrong, awesome. incorrect. No, um, that's interesting because for me, I definitely have the privilege of not having to go through that, at least in schools, mm-hmm. because um, the majority of people that I went to school with were Muslims. And if they weren't Muslim, like, most of them were Muslims. Not all of them wore the hijab, obviously. And mind but, you, this is in Egypt, correct? Um, in, <laughs> nope. Okay, so it's complicated. Okay. Uh, my parents, they live and work in Saudi Arabia. So technically, I was raised between first the Emirates and then they moved to Saudi Arabia. But we visited Egypt every summer. Okay. Um, so in Saudi Arabia, I was in an international school. So it wasn't just with like Saudis. Um, but again, I'm in a like majority Muslim environment. And then whenever I visited Egypt a large population of women wore the hijab. So it didn't seem weird for me, and I didn't feel weird walking the streets or just, like, doing normal things. Mm -hmm. Um, Coming here, though, 
five years ago, five years ago, um, I was definitely nervous about the whole topic of like, ooh, how are people going to perceive me? Um, am I going to get comments? Am I going to mm-hmm. get, like, because mm-hmm. before was this, I, And was this your first time coming This here? was my first time coming yeah. to the U.S., like ever, ever. Um, and thankfully, I haven't had any, like, extreme situations happen with my hijab but i've definitely had like stares a ton um and then a lot of like assumptions kind of like you said like oh so you can never take that off or um oh my god wait has your dad seen your hair oh my god your hair is amazing (laughs) oh my god like things like that things like that like oh my god you have like you have hair and it's like like they're trying to hype us up because they think we'll take it off it's really funny it's really funny it's funny i remember this one i'm like i know i'm hot okay i get it (laughs) like i know (laughs) doesn't mean you get to see that man this one time i was in the woman's bathroom and then i was fixing it so i took it off to fix it and then there was this girl next to me um she was white <laughs> and then she was like, um, "Oh no 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 no! Don't take it off! Don't take it off! It looks good on you!" And oh I'm my like, "God, <laughs> I'm not taking it off! I'm just fixing it!" You know. Yeah, yeah. So there's this assumption that like we are, which I guess comes from like the assumption that, oh, they hate themselves wearing it. Like uh-huh. I'm gonna tell them that it's okay, or like mm-hmm. it looks good on them, or right? like you can take it off if you want to. Exactly. You know? That's the one that I used to get for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even in middle school, they were like, "Wait, but if your parents are in the room, it's okay." Like, I mean, you're in school, like it's fine. Or you're like, okay. you're here by yourself. Your parents are not here, so like take it off. You know, America's a free country. So, yeah. anyways, um, and you're like that's exactly why I'm wearing it. Just because, ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Honestly. So a lot of just a lot of assumptions like that. Um, things having to like explain myself a lot Mm -hmm. um which most of the time i don't mind but a lot of the times it gets exhausting the same questions again and again and again yeah and i always say this like ask me all the questions that you want but if i sense derogatory or like offensive tones or like sarcastic comments i i don't respond <laughs> i do respond um, <laughs> i just, I just like, make it all into um, a joke yeah. like there, you know? i just remember in middle school they usually were like oh you know like do you have like a camel or whatever i'm like yeah it's parked outside <laughs> yeah i, I wish i was that snarky i can't i can't yeah um i was but, gonna i was gonna ask like what was like some of the biggest misconceptions uh, about like oh my god okay wait jobs. this is awful this is but, awful that i did this but I used to, they'd be like, wait, but what's that bump on the back of your head? <laughs> and I used to be like, it's a cancer. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was so bad. But the worst part is when, no, I said it's a tumor. I was like, it's a tumor. Right? It's a benign though. <laughs> yeah. But I said this to um, my physical therapist <laughs> and the man took it seriously. <laughs> and oh he got God. so Poor scared. Guy. Like he could not sleep one night because I made a stupid joke. Poor guy. I yeah. felt so bad afterwards. Wow. Yeah. Why would you do so that? So basically I'm awful. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> um misconceptions i would say um so more of like kind of like how touched on this a little bit but like that you are oppressed essentially (laughs) like that you were either a forced to put it on or that you've had a horrible childhood so like your dad beat you until you put it on or like or like yeah 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 or or because of all of that i'm now coming to america to to live like a a better life for me and now i can i'm allowed to take it off or or we love white um, saviors here (laughs) honestly um it's safe here or that like i don't um i'm not (laughs) i'm sorry Or that essentially, like, I'm not smart or, like, I can't keep up with, you know, like, the educational system and, like, the processes and stuff. And you're in grad school, right? So it's like, yeah. (laughs) I am. 
a lot of those misconceptions i remember getting uh, uh like interesting comments when i was still an undergrad here um i would always ask questions in class as probably the only poc in the entire room yeah um because i was a business major i still don't know why i was a business major but whatever (laughs) Um, (laughs) but i used to always ask questions and like go up to the teacher um and then one of them was like oh i'm actually very very happy that you like speak in class and like talk and ask questions and are loud and then i didn't know what he meant i was like what thanks i guess Literally. i don't always, know oh my god you're unique you're, you're unique. so unique you're exotic you stop oh my god you're, yeah, exotic. you're exotic i'm an exotic asian <laughs> basically i'm an asian yeah. from the other side yeah so um kind of those misconceptions and then also like we were just talking about this the other day like a lot of people think that we can't do basic activities or mm-hmm. just like anything really that Wait, oh my god you work does. out you work out or you swim or like i don't even yes know. man i do things that do i don't even it. think about yeah. while my hijab is on people point out to me and i'm like oh huh i guess i'm i don't know like it's it seems as though it's like an extra thing for them mm-hmm. that oh wow you also do this while i'm like i try to work out just because i want to you know like, I, I, I never think, think about too, it because it is it hell him yeah, uh-huh. yeah, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. yeah, yeah. She does a really She's good amazing. job. Yeah, like, she does. I know, um, breaking that stereotype. Yeah, breaking that stereotype of like just being in the gym, doing for her sure. thing, mm-hmm. pooping, oh, yeah. Yeah, ways, sure. running. She's a huge inspiration for me personally, honestly, because mm-hmm. like if she can do it, like in the middle of the weight room with like guys all over, like exactly. I could totally yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. she's in there faithfully. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Faithfully. See, my thing is, uh, so I don't wear glasses when I go to the gym, so that I don't see anyone. Theoretically, they can't see me either. <laughs> so, so it works. So that's that's what helped me to like, because I was kind of, you know, like awkward about it. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a very small person also. And so because of this, I was like, okay, so I'm going to go in there and there's a bunch of like beef heads. <laughs> you know, there's like these super buff dudes next to me and I'm like, okay, yeah. how am I going to? So I just took off my glasses and I'm like, this is fine. I don't have to see them. <laughs> I can just like focus on my own thing. Yeah. And so, and now I'm like comfortable. Like it took a long time for me to kind of like get used to it. But then once I had like a solid like workout schedule and all that, it was fine. Yeah. And it took a long time for me to get used to it. Not because I didn't want to go to the gym. It's more of, I mean, and this is a fact, like I definitely get a lot more stares at the gym oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, than yeah. anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely gotten a little getting used to because of the stairs and nothing yeah, exactly. else. Exactly. And I think in this in this type of environment too, at being at a predominantly white institution, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times it's like you we carry our experiences everywhere we go. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Until we get around like our crew or we get into oh, yeah. our culture center or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's like it's definitely an experience here and I know just speaking from like my perspective as totally. like a tall black male, it's yeah. just like I had a face where I didn't want to leave the house, mm. you know, and um, I didn't want the stares. I didn't want the questions. I didn't want the... You get tired of it. Yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's definitely exhausting. See, but the other thing, though, is with all these questions, it really helped me strengthen my faith. Exactly. Like, totally, you're like, I'm more solid in my identity now than I was before because I have to get asked these things. Then I end up learning more because I'm like well, why do we do this thing? And I'm not, I wasn't willing to answer a question that I didn't know. So I just say, I'm not sure. Like, maybe I'll go ask like, yeah. my mom or look into, you know, the Quran, like read something so I can figure out how to better answer their question and educate. I never thought of the of this, you know, predominantly <coughs> institution experience like that before. Mm-hmm. So that's really dope. Because like, even me, I've grown so much from moving from like, the East Coast to coming up oh here. Oh my God, no. no. I learned so much about myself. And it's, it's been a really incredible experience, which actually inspired the people of color clothing mm-hmm. brand. Hell from. Yeah. Related to that, um, 
I definitely like 100% agree with like strengthening my faith and actually knowing why I'm doing this and kind mm-hmm. of refreshing my memory. Like, why did I even take this decision totally. in the first place? Yeah. Because again, not growing up here and because I was surrounded by a majority Muslim population, um, I never really got to ask myself these questions. Like, it was just su- like such a normal thing. And yeah, like, you were comfortable. Essentially. Very comfortable. And yeah. like, I never questioned myself. I never got stares. I never got questions. So like, it was just a thing that was on my head, literally. Mm-hmm. Now it's more of like, it's a statement. So I need to yeah. be aware of why I'm doing it. And, and it wasn't that I didn't have a purpose before, but it's more of like, it's a more defined in clearer purpose now especially that i'm not in a majority muslim population so i'm definitely like grateful for that see and that's something that i've thought about a lot if i was raised in yemen would i be more or less religious than i am right now right Mm -hmm. and i honestly i honestly think that i would be probably less religious because i would have it'd be more of like culture Mm -hmm. like religion would be more part of the culture here it's like oh you're making a statement just by existing exactly like existence (laughs) is resistance like for reals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, I just feel like it's part of the reason why I've become so much closer to my religion and so why I've be- tried to educate myself as much as possible is because I'm in a space where no one else knows about it, really. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I grew up in Kaiser. Literally, I was like the only one. It's like all white and Mexican. That's basically it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, with our president in office, early in his term, um, we saw like the, the Muslim ban. Like, what was your reaction or response to that personally? Um, I remember, so I used to work at the time at the Etihad Cultural Center mm-hmm. um, here at OSU. You were working there too, right? Or no, <laughs> I ended not up yet. working afterwards. Okay, not that yeah. year. Um, so when it happened, um, we were all sort of just shocked by it. And immediately Wait, after, yeah, um, okay, ECC yeah. held like an like a mm-hmm. like a vigil, but before that, it was like an event where people were welcome to talk about it and vent and sort of explain how they were experiencing it and that was probably the only time i've seen the office that full Mm -hmm. people were literally sitting outside the door because there wasn't any room in there um everyone was so scared everyone was terrified and um we had a lot of people just you know talking to us about it and then we also had the um osu lawyer in there so a lot of people were asking a lot of questions Mm -hmm. for me personally i sort of and this is what I usually do in these situations. I sort of numb myself out of thinking about these things because I was in a, I was working. Mm-hmm. I made sure that like I sort of, you know, separate myself from everything that was happening so that I could help other people. Yeah. Um, but me personally, being on a student status and yeah. um, it was spring term, I remember. I was worried that I wasn't able, that I wasn't going to be able to come back and finish my degree. Like it was it was to that point where I called my mom and I was like, I don't know if I should leave, you know? Yeah. Um, I had, and obviously I have the luxury of knowing like, oh, I could just stay here and like come back because I'm from Egypt and it's not one of the countries. Mm-hmm. But we had a lot of people from Iran yeah, um, who, were, who were PhD students mm-hmm. that literally came and they were like, I need to defend and I... I don't know if I can come back and literally finish the very last step of my degree that took years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. So just things that were intense like that and a lot of people who were at airports obviously at the time and just being stuck there, it was just an intense situation. I was worried, my parents were worried. I it was it was just a whole mess up honestly and that was probably the first time that I was genuinely scared 
walking down the street. So I made sure I had a hood on the whole entire time、mm-hmm. so that my hijab wasn't、oh, like,、wow. you know, noticeable、yeah. or anything.、Yeah. Um, that was the first time where I was like really paying attention. Like, are people looking at me? Because、mm-hmm. I'm not a citizen, I can easily, you know, I can easily be kicked out of the country essentially. Like,、yeah. I'm, I don't have anything that ties me to this country. Um, it was a pretty, pretty scary experience for me, to be completely honest. So,、yeah. see, the thing that really sucked, I remember from that event, like, <laughs> you know, everything about it, but also it was like, <laughs> it was like, you see all these people and they feel like they have to defend the reason that they're here. Yeah. Right? And they all have to be like, well, but I'm doing research and I'm doing this and that. And I'm like, dude, you're valid without having to do all of that. Like,、yeah. why? Especially when you think about how this country was founded. Exactly. Like,、yeah. it doesn't make any sense that you're over here, like, oh, but I do this and I do that. And I'm like, that's, you're already great. Just, you're coming here and you're enriching yourself. Thus, you're enriching our populace here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're making this space so much better. And you feel like you have to defend yourself. And this man is making it not just him, obviously.、Yeah. Obviously, racism existed before Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just FYI. And the whole thing with the countries on the Muslim ban, that was Obama era stuff. That's when those countries were,、um, when they were like, oh, this is dangerous territory.、Mm-hmm. It was Obama era stuff. And then Trump took it, refined it, threw in like Venezuela so that he can make it not look like a Muslim ban. <laughs> <Yeah> . <laughs> And then he's like, wow, here we go. And they're like,、yeah. huh. Interesting. And since my family's from Yemen, of course, like I have multiple family members that are still stuck in Malaysia. Like they literally, their families are like separated. It really sucks. Like, and I mean, I was also thinking about, okay, they've done so much worse to like so many groups of people. Yeah. I am a citizen totally, but like what's stopping them from doing anything to me?、Mm-hmm. Right? Not even just like away from the law, but like totally lawfully, you know. And, like, You know? Yeah. I think it's interesting in this country as well how we all kind of take turns getting the shitty, shitty end of the stick.、Sure. So it's like Native Americans、mm-hmm. and then Africans or blacks or whatever you want to call it.、Sure. It was us for a long time. And then the Japanese.、Mm-hmm. Then it was a small bit in there with the、um, Mexico, Mexico US border in the 40s. And then it was right back to black.、Mm-hmm. And then like after 9 11, it was just like. Like just Muslim, 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 Muslim for years.、Mm-hmm. And now it's like the, the decade <laughs> of immigration. And、yeah. So it's just kind of it's crazy how we take turns like、sure. passing that stick around. And I, feel I, like, I feel like we all have it now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I feel like we never, <laughs> like,、much. I feel like we always have had it all though. You know,、yeah. like even like when it comes to little history lesson, real quick. So when、uh, the first Arab to come into the US, right? So、mm-hmm. currently Arabs are classified as white. Right?、Um, the first Arab to come into the US was a Lebanese man who said, Hey, since you're letting in, you would let in Jesus, right?、Mm-hmm. So, of course, you can let in me because I am very light skinned and I'm Christian. So, and they're like, Well, shoot, you're right.、Yeah. <laughs> and they brought him in. And you had to be white to count as a citizen,、mm-hmm. right? The first Muslim that came in, that came in, that wasn't a slave before, because that was the other thing.、Yeah. Like, with slavery, As you both know, they stripped a person of their dignity and of any chance of even like, like, oh, you can't believe in something. You don't、yeah. have a religion. You're a tool. That's all it is,、mm-hmm. right? Which means that the first Muslims were actually black, and people don't realize that. And they、mm-hmm. try to separate the black identity from the Muslim identity、yes. so much.、Yeah. And then the first Muslim that came in that wasn't a slave、um, was actually from Saudi Arabia because they wanted to foster economic ties. The first one who tried was Yemeni, and he was very brown, very proudly Muslim. And 
they were like, no. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. okay. And then not that long afterwards, they brought in the Saudi because money. Because money. Because yeah. oil. And I think it's really cool, too. I watched a documentary not too long ago, and it talked about Spain and how mm. Moorish people conquered Spain for hundreds and hundreds of years. And um, once they got it back, it was just like this hatred for just just people who practice the Muslim faith. And like, I forgot like the, you know, the proper terms for it, but it was just like they beat people. They like beat and hung people and burned mm -hmm. people for the Muslim faith. And I feel like that's, that same energy has kind of been perpetuated for centuries now. And I think it kind of dates back to like conquering Spain and just being a really, really powerful nation, if you will, um, in those times. And I think it's, I think the European hatred for Muslims, because you even see it in, you know, uh, Britain France. and stuff, mm -hmm. France and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, the hate for like the Muslim faith is everywhere. And China, the yeah. Uyghurs, the I Uyghur people. See, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's like, it's messed up completely. They're like, they literally see Islam as a disease. Yeah. Literally as a disease. And they get the kids to like talk about their parents fasting and whatever and this and that. And then they imprison the parents. Like it's awful. Like they, it's it's bad. But at one time, like Moorish people who, aka Muslim, at one time, like Moorish people were really dominating the world. And I think. Um, and the Ottoman Empire, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. And I think just that historically, I think, left a bitter taste in people's mouth. And I think that bad story has been just passed on. For <laughs> what like about centuries. white people? <laughs> <laughs> they took over fucking everything. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, whatever. It's fine. It's fine, really. Yeah. No, it's fine. I mean, but essentially, white people control history. This mm. is true. So, I mean, they control their narrative. True. And they create our narrative mm. and promote our narrative, whether it's well, not. I was I was gonna say good no. or bad, but it's yeah. always bad. It's always bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is also like I know. I mean, growing up post nine eleven, mostly right. Mm -hmm. It's always been kind of like a on nine eleven. Make sure that you don't leave the house unless mm -hmm. you really, really have to. Yeah. Um. After any attack, don't leave the house unless you really have to. Like, Baba would legit be like my father. Baba, I just called him mm -hmm. father. That's weird, but legit. Every time that that happens, it's like he he always tells me, "Okay, go um, go to school, come home. That's it. Don't do anything else." And then last time, I kind of challenged it a little bit, right? And he got really angry at me. And I was thinking about it afterwards, and I was like, "Shoot, it's because he's scared. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. so scared. He doesn't know yeah. how to articulate that. Mm -hmm. But he's just so scared that something's gonna happen to his daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, you can't fault a parent for that." And I think it's really interesting, too, how domestic terrorism is treated. Oh, yeah. Um, when there is a terrorist event that happens, like as people of color, we're all kind of like co collectively holding our breath. Yeah. Like, Please yeah. say white. Please yeah. say white. Yeah. <laughs> please don't, <laughs> be don't be Muslim. Don't be Muslim. Don't have a beard. Don't have a beard. The main thing please, is, yeah, please. don't be Muslim or like don't be South Asian either. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Don't be brown. Muslims don't and it's the brown. people yeah. that, yeah. quote, look like Muslims, which is a yeah. whole nother thing. But it's yeah. like, if it's any of us, then it's going to be all of us. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Know. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's it's interesting how they treat that and how they angle it in the news. Because mm -hmm. um, when it's a domestic terrorist and it's a white male, it's like, you know, he's a he's an awesome family man. No one <laughs> saw real? it coming. Mental health <laughs> issues needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 
a nice it's picture it. instead of like a mugshot. Exactly, exactly. It's like he's like with his family. On exactly, exactly. <laughs> like oh. at a wedding or something. He's just real nice. He's smiling. It's like, yeah. could you believe this guy's a terrorist? <laughs> You'd believe it if he was brown, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, he doesn't have a beard. Yeah, they take the one picture when he doesn't have a beard. Yeah. They yeah. would, honestly. But uh, to close out this episode, um, from a positive perspective, like, LOL. <laughs> how does your hijab empower you as a woman? That's a really good question. Um, I guess I could go first. So I touched on this a little bit um, when I was talking about, like, being here and experiencing hijab in a non-Muslim country mm-hmm. was a huge learning experience for me because I need to make sure... I know why I'm wearing what I'm wearing because I am definitely going to get questions. Um, I'm definitely going to get, you know, looks and stares. And a lot of people who were just curious um, would ask me, like, what it meant and why I was wearing it. And and that is totally welcome by me. So being able to see in their faces, even if they don't see, even if they don't say it um, literally, but, oh, she really doesn't have to wear it. She is totally making this decision on a daily basis to put it on before she leaves the house and take the risk, if you will, um, to live with it for going on eight years, almost nine years now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of empowering me and it pushes me to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, knowing that whether I like it or not, I'm already a representation for Muslims. Mm -hmm. So that alone is a responsibility that I didn't know I was signing up for coming here. (laughs) I just realized it, that I was like, oh, shoot, okay. Like, people, if they're, you know, aware enough, they immediately know that I'm Muslim, just not even, like, talking to me, not knowing who I am. Um, So I better make a good representation of it. So this can go, you know, both sides. It's, It's good in that, like, oh, wow, I'm actually representing something important. But also it gets a little bit heavy when mm-hmm. everything I do, everything I say can be, you know, taken as like a, a standard for all Muslims. Oh, she did this. So like all Muslims must be like this, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. So that's a different topic. But um, the main source of empowerment is proving that proving the complete opposite of what most people think hijab is and that it's like constricting in any way or that I suffer wearing it or it um, holds me back from doing things that I want to do. So kind of proving that message wrong Mm -hmm. and holding on to it for as long as I can is what empowers me the most about it. And it it just makes me a lot stronger as well. For me, it's like my faith has to do with everything that I do when it comes to my studies, like Allah told us that we should learn, right? All that. To what I wear, to, you know, how I treat my family, how I treat my friends, all of that. And so for me, it's a more, it's a very private thing. It's me showing myself that, like, you care about yourself and you care about God and you care about this connection. Um, and no one can take that away from you. Yeah. And that's that's really, like, the main thing. And also, like, self-care tidbits. I love being able to do things for myself that no one else can see. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I can do, right? And it's like, I can, you know, I can work out and look amazing. And no one needs to know it, right? I'm doing this for me. I can mm-hmm. eat really well and take care of myself. And this is all for me. And yeah. not doing anything that's like, because like, obviously sometimes you do things where you're like, yeah, this is going to get attention. Mm-hmm. 
But it's super empowering to me to be able to do something that you know no one's going to see. You know, the way that you, like working on your connection, like your spiritual connection with Allah, for example, for me, is one of those things that's like, like this is between me and Allah only. Me and my creator. This is very private. And so my hijab helps me with that privacy. Yeah, it's powerful. like, especially in an age where everything is so public. Yeah. Everything is public. So yeah. being able to have a shred of like, this is mine and mine alone, and mm -hmm. I have control over this, super important to me. It's very yeah, empowering. That's, that's, that's powerful. And I definitely appreciate you guys sharing your story, sharing your time with the Color Reimagined podcast presented to you by People of Color Clothing. And I want to thank the listener for listening. And until next time.